It is Friday, April 10th, 2020, and coming up, Major League Baseball, trying to get the season going in Arizona. We'll tell you why or why not. That's a bad idea. Also, we're down to the final four of the Now That's What I Call Madness Volume 1. We'll make our picks and tell you who's advancing to the championship game. All that and more coming up. This is The Tune-Up. Welcome on into the show. My name is Danny Gallagher, and I'm joined by the snare campaign provocateur. He puts the pan in pandemic. It's Benny Horowitz. I don't even know what that means. I mean, you you <laughs> sort of made an you almost made an audio reference. Camera pan. pan. I've been doing yeah. a lot of screenwriting during this thing. You know, yeah, like pan to the know. left, pan to the right. I don't know. So yeah, so you made an audio reference. It's not it's not bad. You know, not great. Not my best. You know, you know, it's starting to set in, Denny, and I, I told my wife this is going to happen, is, you know, I was like, listen, on social media, things are going to go from, from cute to ugly real fast, you know, when people start actually letting things settle in, and uh, that's definitely happened. I'm pretty much still good, but the only thing that's going on now is I've never craved a cold New Jersey sub. Like I have right now. And you know the thing. I could go to the store. I could get the roll. I could get everything you get and put it together myself. And it just (laughs) wouldn't be the same. That's the thing right now. That's the biggest thing that I'm missing is like the classic (laughs) Benny Horowitz vegetarian Jersey sub. I get the same thing every time. It's so good. And I want one. You want that mic sub, but and but not like the Jersey Mike's chain, like the mics in like Belmar, where there's like one and they have pictures from like the 1950s on the wall. Yeah, I want more <laughs> like it's called like Greasy Mike's okay, in Sayerville. Okay. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's gotcha. more, I got, I that's got more you. Much, I I would be caught dead in a Jersey Mike's. <laughs> yeah, no. Fucking. Though I gotta say, living in Wisconsin for four years, there was a Jersey Mike's and. You know, it, you hang on to the little things to keep you grounded to home. So I, I, uh, I, I held on to the the the, the, the vinegar mean, as, and all that stuff. As someone who stayed in the Midwest for a while, what would be your chain sandwich shop rankings? Oh, let's let's take these four. Let's go: Jimmy John's, Jersey Mike's, Subway, and Quiznos. Okay, well, number one, Quiznos is just out of there. But there's actually one in Milwaukee that's not bad. Actually, I think it's all Wisconsin. Cousin Subs, that's as close as I've come to a Jersey sub outside of uh, outside of New Jersey. And plus, you get like the kind of Jersey sub experience, plus they have cheese curds. It's kind of a win-win. Oh, I love a curd. Oh. So give me the ranking, though. Give me the four. Uh, so it's it's definitely Jersey Mike's, whatever else you said, and then Subway and then Quiznos. Okay. Yeah. I don't mind a Jimmy John's. It's all right. If yeah. he wasn't a big game hunter, I like I got to say, actually, Jimmy John's has saved my life a number of times. Because, you know, when you're in college and you're, like, broke and you don't have money for, like, like bread and, and all that stuff, especially I was living uh, off campus and didn't have, like, a meal plan and all that stuff, uh, the day-old bread by Jimmy John's, I would go there, stock up for a dollar. Clutch. So clutch. I always wondered, though. I'm like, this bread tastes too chewy for being like three days old which makes me 
not trust the bread. Might have some yoga mat shit going on, just like Subway, you know? I'll tell you what, I can't tell you the amount of times, you know, like most people for like drunk food, they'll be like, oh, like, like wings, like, uh, uh, like French fries. I would go for that uh, day old bread, dollar bread all the time because it was on the way back to my apartment. But anyway, you need bread oh. as part of a post liquor <laughs> meal. Like you need the bread in some. That's why the grease trucks and a grease truck sandwich is the pinnacle of drunk food. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like it's like a plate of diner food <laughs> inside of bread. It's everything that the drunk stomach needs. It's perfect. <laughs> Well, speaking of uh, drunk foods and drunk meals, let's get into the best thing we saw this week. I mean, I'm still on the same <laughs> kick. I know. Oh, please tell me it's not the birds, for the love of God. Not the birds, <laughs> not the birds, but it has to do with nature. So again, this is the first time in literally my entire life I've ever been able to be like outside of a, a tour or sort of a built up area for a consistent amount of time when I actually gave a shit. So I'm noticing things that this city boy has never noticed before. I'm taking a nightly walk to the beach. I'm bringing my dog. And for the first time in my life, I followed a moon cycle. You know, I saw the crescent moon pop up. I see it move through the sky to a full moon over the ocean. I'm led to some very deep and reflective places while I'm looking at it. But then also I go into a wormhole of, wait a minute. Why is the earth moving and the moon's moving kind of over there, but the stars are saying in the same direction. So before I know it, I'm on Wikipedia for half the night, you know, learning diet, nearly 40 years old astronomy that I never picked up before. And uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's kind of fascinating. I think you might be seeing me on my my midlife crisis birder <laughs> phase or something starting right now. To quote our guy Stephen A, stay off the weed, man. <laughs> uh, it's been a it's been a scotch quarantine. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Benny, the best thing I saw this weekend, this caught me completely by surprise. So I'm in my house last night and you know, I'm just typing away. I'm 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 doing stuff on the computer, really grinding for the program, trying to build the brand <laughs> over here. And next thing I know, like seven o'clock hits and all of my street here in Jersey City just starts clapping for healthcare workers. Oh, and this right. was unbelievable. Yeah. Like, I'm like, why are people clapping? Is there like a, a parade going on? And people just opened their windows and started clapping. Now, I've seen this on the internet. Yeah. I've seen this all over. But to see this here in Jersey City was so kind of surprising and super wonderful. Yeah. Wow. And how, what was it like? Did you open your window? Was it pretty loud? Yeah, it was pretty loud. You know, like, you know, my street is. Yeah, you live on a fairly yeah. sleepy block, yeah. considering, yeah. So, with all that said, you know, props to everybody that's out here saluting the healthcare workers. You know, yeah. I've, I've seen the videos on the news. Your job can't be easy. And if there's anybody that listens to this that works in healthcare, we salute you, man. Yeah, that's a fact, man. I had a, I had a kid who did three months in a NICU, and I walked out of there thinking these people were saints, man. I mean, the, the, the type of life... Some people choose for the type of money they get uh, is is absolutely insane. Yeah, I got nothing nothing but love. All right, Benny. First topic here. You know, this past week was supposed to be opening day. You know, people celebrate on on Twitter. 
by sharing pictures of past opening days. You know, they were playing games on MLB Network, all the fixings, but it wasn't quite the same as regular opening day. Well, Major League Baseball is trying to do something about it. They are proposing bringing all 30 Major League teams to the Phoenix area, quarantining them, putting them on lockdown, playing games at, uh, I believe it's Chase Field down there and the minor league ballparks around the area. Benny, do you think that this plan has any legs and do you think it could work? I mean, it's a deep question with a lot of things. So I think MLB is doing their due diligence. You know what I mean? Like the amounts of millions and billions of dollars that goes into every single game and every single week of this, you know, these guys would, then I say guys because there is not a female owner, um, I, you know, they would not be doing their, sorry. No worries. Did that cut us off? No. Okay. They would not be doing their due diligence correctly if they weren't trying every absolute angle to try to make it work. So even though the first proposal seems wildly unrealistic, um, they had to do it, and I understand why. So the general concept of the fact that we're, and we talked about this in regards to the NBA a couple weeks ago, like every model that's ahead of us, peaked a few months ago and they still haven't been able to sort out the logistics of getting everybody in the same city staffing in the same city and keeping an infection free now with major league baseball you're talking about uh 30 teams uh some staff umpires drivers um people who cook the food people who uh take care of the gear People at the hotels, they're going to be staying, um, you know, just a, a, a network of many, many, many thousands of people would need broad uh, and almost, you know, ritualistic testing, which seems like it's, you know, not as readily available as it needs to. Um, so the idea that like this actually goes off uh, and the plan works is, in my estimation, nearly 100% impossible. Um, And I think Major League Baseball is almost in, like, sort of a patchwork type of game where they're they're trying to pull the Band-Aid off slowly. And I think if anything this plan does for maybe the 50% of people who are actually sold on the fact that baseball is going to come back in the way they know it, at least this plan... I think everybody goes, okay, even if it's coming back, it's going to be insane. It's going to be like nothing I know. And to me, this is baseball's like step. It's the first step of telling people that no season is going to happen. Um, I mean, there's some logistics about this that like, okay, you're going to have the players sit six feet apart from each other in the stands to practice social distancing. I mean, what do you do when a guy's at first base? And there's someone at first. Uh, you have no catchers walking to to the pitcher to speak. You, I mean, guys all the time are running into each other, hitting each other, doing things in a baseball field. It's not like, you know, you never have a collision. You never have these things. So uh, I don't think they've even worked out the details of that. And then on top of it, your high-level players – You know, you tell me, like, you get a bunch of minor leaguers between 22 and 25 who are desperate for some cash 
and probably less apt to be family people and stuff like that, then maybe I could see it. But you're talking about asking like hundreds and hundreds of grown men to be away from their situation for four or five months during a pandemic. You know, it's not like this is going to be over when they're playing baseball. Like what if one of these guys lives in New York City with his family and he's like, oh, I'm going to leave for four months. And actually, I think that's legally not even allowed right now. Mm. Um, and then on top of that, Mike Trout and Garrett Cole, you know, two of the biggest names in baseball, are having children in the time this is proposed. Like, I don't even know if guys like that, whose legacies are already so enshrined, are going to want to play a fake baseball season uh, and go away from these things in order to do it. So for all those points I just made, uh, I understand why they did it. I think the fact that all the commissioners of every sport had some bizarre secret meeting with Trump a few days before this probably has something to do with it, too, because I think they were advised in the very least to wet the whistle. Even if they didn't have a real plan, they were probably advised to play the media game a little bit, spark up some some money, spark up some talk. MLB gets to be, you know, in the news for a couple days when they have nothing else to talk about. So that also seems connected. And uh, I think for all those reasons that I just laid out, I think they had to do it, and I think it's not going to happen. Well, Major League Baseball already came out with a statement kind of refuting the Jeff Passan report from earlier in the week. Oh, of course. So, but, no, this is a terrible idea, and quite frankly – if in this era where you know we're dealing with the COVID, we're dealing with all of this stuff, we have these sports organizations that are trying to you know help their arena staff, at least trying to show that they care about the people who work for them. This is just Major League Baseball saying, you know what, we don't care how we make our money, we just keep printing it, and we want this to continue. Like look like look at South Korea. They tried to restart the baseball league. They've they've already hit the peak of the curve like a couple months yeah. ago, and they're yeah. on the tail end of it. They've tried to restart it and haven't been able to. No other league in the world has been able to restart their season. And you're meaning to tell me that Major League Baseball is gonna going to play? Now, I'm not saying that the beginning of the Major League Baseball season is that these games aren't meaningless, but they're a, a whole lot less impactful than what the NBA was at at where European soccer is at right now. So for all of those reasons, this just, just seems like a idea that is n not very well thought out and really just, it reeks of greed. Yeah. I mean, even just like the simple fact, like, Oh great. We're going to have Orioles versus pirates <laughs> in an empty stadium at nine 30 in the morning. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what is this even going to do? Like, that's where I'm not, you know, if you're going to put something together like this, I think you have to think about it more like the NBA starting to propose it, where, like, just start tossing this out as a real season and start doing something fun. If it's about money anyway, and if it's about just getting something on TV, like, you blow up the structure for one year. Yeah. You know what I mean? You blow up 162 games. You blow up this thing and just do something looser and do something more fun and make it a little more realistic. I actually think if, if say this is all over by, I, I don't know, well, not all over, but sports can resume by, like, August, okay? And you have 
a major league baseball season that's what like say like 80 games and you have that down down the stretch and say you finish uh the season in December an 80 game season I think that that that's what people want yeah for sure I mean people and have I mean, been arguing that the season should be shorter for a long time now let's see what it actually looks like I mean I didn't even think of this until now are the Houston Astros the day release the fucking pandemic? Because, <laughs> I mean, like, no one said shit about fucking those boys for about for about six weeks now. You know, all of a sudden, the fury of cheating kind of kind of went to the wayside, didn't it? <laughs> We've reached a halfway point of the podcast, which means it's time for our dollar slice take. Well. I feel like one of the biggest issues going on right now is, like, people need to talk to people, you know? And sometimes you're trapped in a house with one person, your kids, something like that. Sometimes the flow of communication can be a little stilted. You can't actually truly express yourself in a lot of ways. Now, I think in that moment, a lot of people go to social media. They'll be like, oh, I'm feeling this this well inside of me and I need to make a tweet so I can have some interaction with somebody. Well, what about an app that you talk to? It's a free service. There's another human on the other end. You could choose a verbal conversation or a text or anything. Ads every couple minutes. And you have somebody almost like a like an online shrink but with no real, you know, just a person who decides to be on there. And you can, uh, you know, uh, unfurl your heart to a stranger and have no um, real, like a confession, you know? And, and this is a stranger, so you don't have to worry about what you're saying or it coming back to you. You can even talk some shit. Uh, I think people are dying for a human interaction sometimes. Maybe this app could help. I didn't realize that we just turned into a Talkspace uh, commercial right here. Hashtag that, use a promo code Juno. Yeah. I, yeah, I did wonder. I'm like, I bet some young person has thought of this before. Yeah, yeah. no. So it's, it's a thing called Talkspace? Yeah, Talkspace. Yeah. So that's all you do. You just get on and chat? With a licensed therapist, which I feel uh, like see, people probably yeah, 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 yeah. need. Okay, this is not what I'm talking about. <laughs> licensed therapist, there's like, now you're you're thinking. You, you're like, oh, I need to keep a certain bar of what I want. To be able to call someone and be like, you know what? This person is a C word. <laughs> and just you're not gonna say that to a therapist, you know? It needs to be a little a little freer, a little more open. So that's what I'm talking about. It's more like, I'll all right, you know, mine'll be shit talk space. <laughs> Done. I bet in the second half of the podcast, and we're not going to the top of the fold, but we are at the final four of the now that's what I call madness volume one. And it got pretty interesting this week, Benny. You know, we put out, out out the poll, and in our Elite Eight matchups, we had Purple Rain going up against the Ramones. Purple Rain barely snuck by, took care of business, 51% of the vote as compared to the Ramones, 49%. Uh, this is where Al Gore would call for a recount. We have <laughs> London calling, uh, just dominating pet sounds, which I, I, I mean, I don't feel great about that one. But Rough. London Calling got 73% of the votes there. So, you know, J- Jack Curry's boys lived the fight another day in this tournament. This one, this third one here made me so sad. Kind of blue, born to run. 
Born to Run got 90% of the vote. Okay, Born to Run is great, but like kind of, oh man. No respect. Like, we just, oh man. I don't even know what to say. Like, I like I can't talk down to the people and be like, oh, these kids out here. No, because they're probably not kids. People are probably oh, all, all, all older than me. So, sure. like, come on, guys. Like, <laughs> the last thing anybody wants to be involved in, like, I... I don't think you came here to be involved in some sort of echo chamber. And that's exactly what we're turning this into. So shame on you, everybody. I'm just going to shame people. Shame on you. Like, I love Born to Run, but is it even the best Springsteen record? I don't know. Well, we'll get into it. Gosh. That one just got my gears because, like, you retweeted it, and then people were all like, oh, Born to Run, obviously. Like, it's not that obvious. Anyway. Yeah, not that obvious. And then our last one. Rumors by Fleetwood Max snuck through over Nevermind in I gotta say, it's kind of an upset here, I think. Yeah. I thought I, I really that given thought Nevermind, I thought Nevermind yeah. was through. Well, it's like for the same thing that that I assumed like I knew Born to Run was gonna do what it was gonna do. And on the same assumption, I thought Nirvana was kinda gonna do the same thing. But I think we've pinpointed something here that a Bruce Springsteen crowd is definitely more of a Fleetwood Mac crowd than they are Nirvana crowd. I think it was our generation, you know? This is a problem, and this is one of the things that is the disconnect here. When I was a kid, Bruce Springsteen was born in the USA. You know what I mean? I didn't know about fucking Nebraska. I didn't know about this (laughs) shit. I was watching MTV. You know what I mean? All I saw was the giant American flag, the kind of, like, poppy heartland rock thing. Like, I thought he was fucking John Cougar Mellencamp, you know? And then... And then I grew up and I realized what's happening and respected it a lot more. But when I was like 11 years old, you know, I thought it was Nevermind, which was this groundbreaking revolutionary thing and born in the USA, which is kind of like a pretty obvious one. So I do think we're dealing with like a generational thing here a little bit. Yeah. And I would definitely say that the results here go kind of against the demographics that you see on our listenership. This, having Born to Run, Rumors, uh, and Purple Rain, that would kind of make it, it seem like our, our demographic is in like the 35 to 50 rather than in the in like the 25 to 40. So this is very interesting. This is it's a very interesting case study here. Well, maybe not the fact, though, because, I mean, part of our point in doing this was what are the records that are going from generation to generation? Like I do feel a record like purple rain in particular, if you're getting into a certain type of music and pop music, like you're still going to get purple rain. Mm. You know, if you're getting into a certain type of music, like you're still going to get rumors. So I think part of uh, what's at play here is the lasting power of these albums. And I'm super interested in our final four matchups for today. Rumors goes up against Born to Run, so everybody, you're going to have to make a choice. And we, we're we going to have Purple Rain against London Calling, which is another interesting matchup. Though I think, given the way our voting has been, yo, I, Prince is dead. I was not expecting the amount of love that Prince has been getting in this tournament. Yeah. I, I thought I was kind of alone here. Uh, with this purple rain thing, but so shout out to everybody for voting. I think yeah, you downplayed uh, Prince's universal appeal. You know, I'm still mad about Carol King, but that's fine. I'll get over it. <laughs> we, and so we still have, and not bad on the diversity angle here too. I know uh, we we were texting about it, but we, you know, got Fleetwood Mac, and then we got like 
uh, Bruce and the Clash, and then you know Purple Rain. So not bad. It's it's could, it could have been worse. Right. It, it, exactly. <laughs> I was expecting it was going to be Green Day versus Nirvana versus the Ramones versus yeah, God yeah, knows yeah. who. So yeah. kudos to everybody. Uh, Benny, let's start with these matchups here. Let's uh let let's talk about the big one first. Born to Run versus Rumors. Break it down. So you know we've broken these records down a ton. I don't know how much more I could say about them, but yeah. here's here's where I'm going with these two records, okay? Yeah. Since they're so balanced out, I'm going singles. Ooh. And I'm uniquely looking at the album listing and which songs on these albums have lasted the test of time and still exist in the narrative today. Born to Run, I'll give three. I'll give the song Born to Run, Thunder Road, and 10th Avenue Freeze Out on this record. Iconic songs, not going anywhere, classics, maybe not mainstream classics, but classics nonetheless. I go to Rumors, I got Secondhand News, Go Your Own Way, Never Going Back Again, The Chain, Dreams, Gold Dust Woman. I have six coming off Rumors that are songs that are still very much in a narrative and important. Um... So because of that, simple numbers here. I'm sticking to sports, stats, you know. It's out of my hands, people. It's the numbers talking. Fleetwood Mac rumors is the winner. Yeah, I like that one, too, strictly because, you know, I, and I've, I've stuck with the same criteria through this whole thing for what went into my decision. What is the more influential record in 2020? And it's kind of weird that in, like, this, like, indie pop kind of genre – Rumors is a huge album that has had a lasting impact on not only pop stars that want to pr- proclaim that they're different and and stuff like that, but also like these like indie bands and like the rise of uh of like like the female rock bands and and stuff like that. I don't think any of that is possible without uh what Stevie Nicks did, and yeah. So for that sake alone, and what Rumors versus Born to Run means in 2020, you gotta go Rumors. I'm telling you, man, it's vocal harmonies. It's one of those things. It's like, now that's something that you can't recreate in Pro Tools or make it sound legitimate. You need uh, three or four voices that know how to work together and sit in certain places. And that's a really hard skill to develop and something that uh, even like an 18-year-old starting an indie band in Brooklyn can listen to rumors and be like, oh, shit, like, that's really hard and we can't do that. So I think, uh, you know, it gets a lot of love for the landscape, the lyrics and stuff like that. But something simple as that, that in a, in a rock and roll context is so hard to pull off. Um, and I'm jealous of it. I love a good vocal harmony. And, you know, we're really not meaning to uh, poo Born to Run. I love that record. I love it so much. Had it on my wall in college. But it's just like when something, when a record like Born to Run, which is great, it's just wiping the floor with like Sergeant Pepper and kind of blue. Something's at play here. Yeah, for sure. All right, Benny, let's move on to our second matchup here. Uh, we have London Calling versus Purple Rain. And Benny, for my money, you know, I, I think you've got to keep the Prince train rolling here. We went on and on about what a visionary record this is. But to write pop rock songs that can uh, go to a movie 
that's not just like a music video. Like I I rewatched the first I don't know like five minutes of Purple Rain the other day, and to write and so I looked up the script for the opening of this movie. To write a script that coincides with your song lyrics, and Prince did both of that, that is so freaking difficult that I can't oh, yeah. believe that not only is it like uh, like Let's Go Crazy at the start of that movie, a great song, but it goes perfectly with the thematic beats of the movie. I mean, that's just that's just genius. And uh, London Calling is phenomenal, but I mean, it's, it's chess versus checkers, man. Yeah, I, I can't say I disagree. Uh, in the last episode when we had Jared on and he made the point that, you know, one of the things he'd say about the clash that made that record so important was its cultural impact and its political impact. The fact that, you know, as we discussed, you're packaging a very political record in a very well played pop rock context, you know, which, which allowed those songs to carry over to a lot of people. But that being said, the theme of the record and the contents of the record date the record a little bit. You know, you can't always sit there and get fired up about socio-political problems from the late 70s, which probably had very little to do with the people listening now. And Prince, Purple Rain, is just this vast, spanning album that maybe you're not going to listen to it and go, you know what? I think differently about the world. Like, my life has changed. Music doesn't always have to do that. You know, all you know is you're going to be taken on, like, a vast experience and a well-played experience and something that's like uh, so catchy and so poppy and so revolutionary at the time because of the mixture of all those things. Like, I still love the fact that you can't really tell me what that record is. Right. No one can. Yeah. You know, you can't tell me it's pop. can't tell me it's R&B. You can't tell me it's rock. I don't know what the fuck it is. And that's, that's great. And that's impressive. And it came from a really young guy uh, who was as we discussed again in the last one was so bold in like the idea. That's one of the things I respect the most about Prince is just, I always imagine Prince in these, these label meetings with, <laughs> with big wigs, like, you know, cementing his idea and pushing his idea and getting the money for it and getting people to back it. Like it had to be difficult. And I would love to hear more about what that process was like, because you know, for such a young person without that much skin in the game to, to be able to execute that is is really exceptional. So I'm with you. I'm going Purple Rain. Purple Marine versus Rumors. Though more than likely it's going to be Born to Run versus Purple Rain, which I also think is an interesting conversation to it's have. fun, yeah. But Rumors versus Purple Rain would be a heck of a debate. I would love it. Let's see what the people say, man. Exactly. And you know, you saw the one guy getting mad at me on Twitter about the matchup. And I go, whoa, the people chose it, man. The people chose. And I don't think you listen to the podcast because you didn't get the point. You're just voting. So, you know, hands up, bro. Uh, hands up. Thank you to everyone that's vote and also listens to the podcast. You know, it's been it's been a good way for us to be active and engage with everybody on social. So thank you so much for that. Plenty of ways to get in contact with the show. You can email us at thetuneuppodcast at gmail.com. You can vote for our polls, tweet at us, DM us, all that stuff at the Tuneup HQ on Twitter and Instagram. It's all there. Just go look for it. Uh, and thank you so much again for voting. Can't thank you enough. 
You can follow Benny on Twitter at Benny Horowitz1, number one in your minds, number one in your heart, number one on Twitter. I am at Denny underscore Gallagher. Benny, you got anything else? Yeah, if anyone out there can can illuminate for me more things about the night sky, please, <laughs> please tweet me and let me know. <laughs> but until then, everyone have a great week and take care of each other. Everybody love everybody. It's always a full moon with you, isn't it? Every day, baby. This has been The Tune-Up. Mm-hmm.